It is Faith Commitment Sunday. And on Faith Commitment Sunday, uh, it's the one Sunday out of the year. It's always the first Sunday in March that we take the opportunity to recommit ourselves to the work of international missions all over the country. All over this country. Uh, all over this world, actually, we have people that are doing and serving the gospel in the kingdom of God. So we, this it's phenomenal when we sit down and think about it. Right now, the, the Pentecostal Holiness Church has more churches outside of the United States of America than we have in America. That's pretty remarkable to think about, to, at least to me it is. And uh, so we've, we've got to keep the gospel going. That's our goal. That's our motive. And let me say this. We do want to pray for the black family, Rick and Latricia. They're our mission, Latricia's missions director. They had a, a death in the family. Miss Black passed away. We want to remember them in prayer. But I know that if Latricia was here, she would probably be telling you that we had the most phenomenal year of missions giving, overall missions giving in 2020 that this church has ever had. It's remarkable. It was a remarkable year. And that's because you are willing to give. You're willing to give. And I want to remind you of this. The pandemic that we've experienced, we didn't only experience, but the entire world has experienced, including the missionaries and the works of ministry that are going on around the world. I want you, if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn them to the book of John chapter 4. The book of John chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 33 through 38 this morning. And while you're turning there, let me remind you, if this is the first time you've been here, or if you haven't been here in a long, long time, please fill out a Connect card and turn it in after church out at the Connect Center in the foyer. We've got a special gift for you this morning. And we, we're not going to put you on a chain mailing or anything like that, but we would like to get to know you better. John chapter 4. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and a har- and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. That's a very important statement in this morning's message. So that the 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 sower and the reaper may be glad together. That's the saying: one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Father, we thank you for people with a willingness to give and a heart for missions. And we thank you for missionaries. And we just ask today, Lord, on this special Sunday, that you will just bless us with an inspiration from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, we, uh, we read there that what Jesus is saying, he's, he's speaking of a traditional 
expectation. A traditional expectation that's about to occur when he says, don't you say it's going to be four months to harvest? It's not going to be long. In fact, I happen to know over at uh, like Royal King and and, and and Southern State stores and, and different places like that, they're already selling onion sets. I walked in the store the other day and I could smell those onions. And it was because some guy was back there. He had him a, he had him a bag. We used to call them pokes, you know, paper bags. He had him a poke and he was a shoveling up those onion sets. And he was, boy, he is going to have, I don't know who he was, but I want to tell you something. If all those onions grow, that rascal's going to have him some onions. Now, if you don't plant those onions, you need to plant some lettuce. Hmm. Yeah, and, and, because if you plant those onions and you plant that leafy lettuce, my, we always planted that black Simpson seed lettuce is what it was called. And you plant that lettuce and you plant those onions and those onions get about that big around, about the size of a quarter. And then that, that lettuce gets about this tall and, and you go out and you start picking that stuff. So and listen, you don't pull the lettuce up. My mother taught me you pinch it off right at the root because you don't want to pull up the roots. And that you take that, you get you another poke and you fill that poke up with green lettuce and then throw some of those onions on top of of it, mud and everything, and then you take it to the house and you cut the tops and the bottoms off the onions and you slice it up in little slices and you wash all of that lettuce and onions up and then you get you a big old hunk of fat back meat and you put it in the skillet and you fry the grease out of it and then you take that big old bowl of lettuce and onions and you pour that grease over top of it and scramble just a little bit of egg and put just a a little bit of vinegar in it and you have what yourself is called scalded lettuce. Are any of y'all hungry yet? But you can't have scalded lettuce without a hunk of good old cornbread and a glass of milk. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You see, it's our expectations that are here in a, in a few weeks we're going to, we're going to maybe put some onions out. We're going to plant some lettuce. We're going to set some tomato plants out. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to fix some hills of corn up and, and, and then we have an expectation that come along and, you know, later on in the summer that we're going to be, we're going to be canning tomatoes. We're going to be eating green beans. We're going to have cream peas and taters. We're going to have all you know, we don't have corn on the cob. We don't have all that good because we got that expectation that that's what's going to happen. Jesus was talking about an expectation. But what Jesus was seeing was that there was little anticipation. You know, uh, uh, certainly none of us have ever planted anything. I doubt any of us have ever planted anything in our garden and just sat there and watched and waited for it to sprout. We, we didn't continue to sit and wait for the, it to grow up and to, to bear whatever fruit or vegetable it would bear. We, we, in faith, we, uh, we, we plant the seed, but we do so with anticipation that in, uh, in a few, in a few days, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna see that sprout coming up out of the ground. In a few days, I'm gonna see that corn stalk getting about this high. In a few days, I'm gonna see little ears of corn popping out all over it. And then I'm already thinking, 
talking about, well, if I can keep the deer and the coons and everything else out of it, that, that someday I'm going to come out here and I don't have me some fresh corn on the cob. We have that anticipation. And when it comes to the things of God, I think we likewise need to anticipate. Because if we're not anticipating, we're coming complacent. And when we become complacent, we find ourselves being much like those widows that we read about over in the 25th chapter of Matthew. We find that that, that there was, there was some widows over there that, that they really wasn't anticipating, uh, you know, they, 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 they weren't anticipating the, 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 the groom to come. They were, they were slumbering. They were sleeping. They, they were waiting, you know, they, but they weren't waiting properly. They had no anticipation about him, about them. And for us, we have to have an anticipation that 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 the kingdom of God is is unfolding all around us, and the kingdom of God is about to be filled. Listen, I am. I, I tell you all, all the time. I am a youthful, fifty nine years old, and I've been hearing Jesus is coming for a long time now. Some of you are older than me. So those of you that are not older than me, of course, are younger than me. But some of you all that are younger than me look older than me. Some of you all, well, I'm, not, I'm just going to leave it alone. But we've been hearing that Jesus is coming for a long time. But I want you to know this, whether you realize it or not, that Jesus is closer to coming today than He's ever been before. Common sense, common thinking will tell us that. Jesus is about ready to come. You know, I've been hearing that since I was a teenager. I've been hearing that a long time. But the reality of it is, I think we are seeing everything unfold before our very eyes. Our generations have speculated and thought on things that they have seen happening before, but no generation, no generation leading up to this time has ever seen the unfolding of events that we are seeing right now. I'm a firm believer in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ, but I believe that that return is very much closer than it's ever been before. And that's the certainty of it all. You see, there there was a certainty uh, there was a certainty of this, of Jesus' death. It had to happen. It would happen. Jesus told everyone it was going to happen, even though they didn't understand it. And there was a certainty of the second coming. So we see that a traditional expectation, if you would. We have right now, I have an anticipation. You know, years ago when I was... I was uh, me and some other fellows, we did bluegrass gospel music, and quite frankly, we did pretty good at it. We stayed really busy at it, but I remember an old song that we used to sing, and that lyrics to that song said, Wait a little longer, please Jesus, for there are so many loved ones out in sin. Wait a little longer, please Jesus, give me just a few more days. To get my loved ones in. You know, I, I, I think sometimes, and I include, when I say we, I include me, but if we are not careful, we really don't act like we anticipate Jesus coming soon. Because if we really anticipated that Jesus was coming soon, and we really believe that 
There are loved ones and friends and even our enemies that are at risk of being left behind. We would be reacting promptly to retrieve them. We would be, we would be going after them. We would be searching them out. We would be going as the scripture says in the King James, we would be going into the highways and into the hedges. We would be doing whatever, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. And granted, we, none of us in our own power can save anybody. But our mission is to take Jesus to them. At the end of this service, you're going to see a a video. And this video is actually a few years old. And in this video, uh, this music video, it it states that 55,000 people is estimated. 55,000 people die every day that have never heard the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even in the digital world that we live in today. So there's a message to be brought forth. There's people to be reached. There's people to be saved. So we look at the fields. We see fields of poverty. We see fields of disease. We see fields of brokenness. We, we see, and listen to this, this may be the largest field that there is out there. We see fields of ignorance to the Word of God. I want you to think about that. We see fields of ignorance to the Word of God. Now, to find that field, you know, to find some of the fields of poverty and disease and brokenness, we we tend to think about, and again, you'll see some of these pictures here in a few minutes, we tend to think about, uh, you know, the far reaches of Sudan and in Africa. We think about uh, uh, Latin American countries. We think about places like that where where they're very poor, very, very, uh, very impoverished. We, we, We think about those places covered with disease, no medication, no 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 medical assistance. But then when I think about the but when I think about the field of ignorance to the word of God, I think about what what the commissioning that Jesus gave and, and he said, Go into Jerusalem and to Judea and all of Samaria, unto the uttermost parts of the world. Do you realize our field actually starts right here in Blue Well? Or if you live in Green Valley, it starts in Green Valley. If you live in Tazewell, it starts in Tazewell. If you live in Bozavane, it starts in Bozavane. If you live in Princeton, it starts in Princeton. If you live in Withville, it starts in Withville. If you live in Rocky Gap, it starts in Rocky Gap. But Jerusalem is where you're starting from. Jerusalem is your starting point. And there's people right in your community. There's people right here around us that are in need of a Savior that are, uh, that are abiding in the field that is ignorant to the Word of God. But Yet it's a ripe to harvest circumstance. So we see the opportunity is before us. If we have the anticipation and we recognize the opportunity, here's what we do. We begin to go sow. Again, going back to the lettuce and onions. Before you can eat the scalded lettuce, you, you, you're going to have to plant something. You don't have to plant something with anticipation that it's going to grow. 
Now, I, you know, I, I read something the other day, and I, I don't know if it was true or not, but I did, I did read something the other day. I, I, I just tell you, tell you all this, just so you can look at me and you can probably tell I am not a vegetarian. Amen. And I'm not knocking vegetarians. We have friends that are vegetarians. I'm not knocking them. That's their diet preference. Sometimes it's out of necessity. Sometimes it's out of preference. That's just, it's whatever you like. If that's what you want, that's fine. You know, but I, but I read this, I read this little, uh, little sign that it said, and it said, I don't understand why people will take the lives of innocent cows just to eat. Why don't they go to a restaurant? And get no mistake if they want one. All right. But we have to realize that everything, everything starts from something. Steaks start with cows, okay? Cows start with calves, so to speak. But here's the thing. There must be seeds planted. You and I must, you and I are called to plant seeds in our community. We're called to plant seeds in our neighborhood. This morning we're putting focus on planting seeds all the way around the world. We, and we plant those seeds. It, it, you know, once we plant the seeds, it's not up to us because the scripture says another one will come along and water it. Another will come along and loosen up the soil around it a little bit, cultivate it, you call it, and and, and do this and do that. And, And then another one may come along and reap it, and you never see it. I had some dear friends of mine, Vera and Cadell Ashford. Brother and sister Ashford, they were, they were some of the pioneer ministries of the Pentecostal Holiness Church. And, and I can remember that when they came back, they retired and they moved back from Costa Rica. And I, they would tell the stories of being pioneer missionaries in Costa Rica. And, and as they went there, they planted seeds and they only saw literally a handful of churches while they're in Costa Rica. And while Latricia would have to tell you how many we have down in that area, Area right now, let me tell you from the efforts that those two people gave, from from the fact that that their two uh, daughters uh, passed away early in life as adults, but they passed away from diseases they contracted while in the jungles of Costa Rica. Let me tell you what, the work that they did originated with the seed that they planted. What is happening now is out of the seed that the Ashfords planted in Costa Rica. So they sowed. The seed must be planted. And everything has small beginnings. And then I spoke of the the reaper. And to me, sometimes the reaper, I put a negative thought with that because I think of the grim reaper. And we none of us really like the grim reaper. But the reapers are the harvesters. The harvesters are the ones that, that get to see the fruit of the seed. Did you hear what I said? The fruit of the seed. You, you realize when you plant, when you, when you go out this later in the late summer and you begin to pull those ears of corn off that stalk of corn, that the only reason that you're able to have the fruit of the corn is because of the seed that went in the ground. Are you with me? If the seed had never went in the ground, you would have never had your ear of corn. You say, well, it could have come up volunteer. Well, it doesn't matter. There's still a seed there somewhere. 
There, there has to be a seed to bring forth the fruit. So as we put the seed in, then the fruit will come forth. And the fruit of the seed, the fruit of the, the fruit of the planter, it's the fruit of the cultivator, and, and the harvester gets to reap the harvest. Let me tell you what. It's not about gathering merits. It's not about gathering brownie points. You know, I've got to be very frank with you. I've wondered, Lord, you know I've tried. Lord, you know I've been faithful. Lord, you know I've been dedicated. Why have I never pastored a church of, of, of thousands? Why has that never happened, Lord? Why, 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 why? And you know what? I, I, there came a point in my time in my ministry that I had to realize that, that the only thing God has called me to, He's not called me to a certain number, but He has called me to be faithful in the work that He has given me to do. And if I will be faithful to the work that He has given me to do, I will walk in His blessing. In fact, I will walk in the fullness of His blessing as long as I'm faithful to the work that He's given me to do. Whether it's to pastor five or five thousand, that's not the matter. And whether we reach thousands and thousands and thousands of souls here in Blue Well, that's not the important thing necessarily this morning in the sense of numbers. But what it is important is that we keep and we hold on to that great commission that we carry the gospel not only from here in Blue Well, which is Jerusalem, but into the ends of the earth and we reach as many people as we can for the gospel with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We may never meet them. We may never see them, but that's not the most important thing because the harvester is the none other than the Lord Jesus Christ and He is going to come and He will reap the harvest and He will offer due reward and due diligence in that day. So we're to we're to be the hands and the feet of Jesus here in Bluewell, Taswell, Princeton, Whitfield, Rocky Gap, Bosnavane, Welch, wherever you may be from. We're to be the hands and feet of Jesus right here where we live. But we also are senders. We're equippers. And by being a sender, by being an equipper, we're equipping sowers. We're equipping people to go out and plant that seed. Many of you know my dad passed away just a few weeks ago. So I've spent much time in the past couple of months. I've spent much time when my dad first fell sick in the week before Christmas. I've spent much time out at my dad's house. A couple of you have been out that way before where he lives. And, and right in front of his house there's this humongous hill and I call it a hill because there's no trees on it. If there would be trees on it, I would have probably called it a humongous mountain. But it's this big hill. It's been there ever since I can remember. I lived there. I grew up in that house. My dad's lived there all of his married life. Actually, he lived there all of his life because his home place was next door. And and, and uh, But a few days ago, there was this blue cloud of smoke hovering over the neighborhood out there where my dad lives. And what happened is... a a farming company has bought that. It was a beef farm, once a dairy farm, beef farm. Now another farming company has agriculture companies purchased that piece of property. They had they had 
probably probably five, six dozen, maybe more men out there on that side of that hill. Let me tell you how steep this hill is. This it has paths where the cattle have walked around that hill for years. And when you go up that hill, it's almost like going up steps. There's, you know, you all, sometimes you have, would have to, I remember going up it as a kid, and you would have to have handholds, grab hold of something to pull yourself up that hill. Well, they burnt that entire hill off. They, they, they probably burned off, I, I'm going to guess probably 200 acres. They literally set it on fire and burned it off. And the other night I was went out, my dad's, it was almost dark. And I, I, I got, and when you get out at his house, you're looking like straight into the face of that hill. And I look in there, and it looks like it was checkerboard. And I thought, have they drawn lines on that hill? I mean, but you know what happened the next day when the sun came up, uh, the reality, you know, the light came, the light literally came up, but it came on. And that big old steep hill that you can't hardly walk on, that most people would look at it and say, that's just a hopeless case. That old big hill, it's not worth anything. It's not good for anything. It's, it's, it really it didn't even make good pasture because there's nothing but broom sage grew on that hillside. What in the world's going to happen there? But you know what happened? That hillside now is covered every, every, about every six feet in every direction. There's a spruce tree. And here in about five or six years, there's going to be pine trees about this tall. And people are going to be buying them for Christmas trees to put in their house. Somebody had the vision to take a piece of property that looked worthless, seemed worthless, was non-negotiable, if you would, and they took that piece of property and they believed in it, and now there's thousands and thousands and thousands of spruce trees that are covering that hill. You see, all it takes is somebody believing in somebody. Somebody believing in something. And let me... Give you a bit of good news. If nobody else believes in you, the Lord Jesus Christ does. He believed enough in you that He, He gave His life. They didn't take it. Jesus wasn't killed. He gave His life. He was, He gave Himself freely. That's how much He loves you. But He not only loves you that much, but He loves, loves every other person on the face of the earth that much. No matter where they live, what they've done, what, you know, what their color of skin is, or what their financial background is, Jesus loves them that much. We just need to get the message to them. We need to get that message to them and let them know how much Jesus loves them. Whether you're reaping or whether you're sowing, whether you're sowing or whether you're reaping or doing anything in between, I want you to think back about what Jesus said. He said when it's all over, they're all going to enjoy their work together. So whether we're sending people or if it's the person that's actually going, we're going to enjoy the fruit together. Hey guys, if y'all go ahead and bring up the other PowerPoint. I'm sorry, I, Latrissa had worked on this one and I'll give her credit where credit is due. And she had worked hard. She was ready for today when Rick's mama turned to the worst. 
But I want to tell you a little bit about Voice of Praise missions this morning. That little map shows you, basically it's the starting point is right here around Blue Well somewhere, and it shows you places all over the world that we have been and we're going, and maybe even increase. We right now have the Bombas in, in, in Japan. This is second, a second generation missionary family, the Bombas are. I think I'm on auto scroll there, guys. Uh, the Bombas are a second generation missionary family. The mother there in the white, she's a native of down around, uh, of over in Wythe County and, uh, grew up down around Christiansburg and her husband is Russell Board and Sandra and Russell. Daughter married the Bamba, and this is all of their family that are there in Japan. Japan, one of the most populated places on the face of the earth that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Rick and Latricia, Rick and Latricia, they they don't they don't retire; they just keep getting refired, and and uh, their health has hindered them some this past year or so. But they still are considered on missionary uh, special assignment. To, to the Latin American region, and uh, we know we love them and appreciate them so much. This is a special one, Miss Whitney, and she's coming home next week. Uh, we don't know how much we'll see her because we, she is going to be out beating the bushes, so to speak, to get her missionary money together, her budget together, because Whitney and a team, uh, a couple other young people, they are going to South Africa and they are opening uh, there a ministry that is geared towards younger adults, the younger generation. And we all know how much, our home folks, we all know how much we love and appreciate Whitney. And uh, I said, and I know she has apprehensions. I know her family has apprehensions. I said, Whitney, I always know that you got a home in Blue Well. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. But we're behind her 100%, and we have, we have sponsored her in uh, her uh, awakening uh, work the last couple of years. And this is a spinoff of awakening, but uh, she is now considered full-fledged uh, missionary. And we are really, we as really as a church, we're going to step up, and we are going to bless Whitney. The Delports. Uh, Whitney's going to be working very close with this couple. They are in South Africa. They are veteran missionaries. Let me tell you, uh, I, should, I shouldn't say this because somebody's probably going to watch it, but Joe and Maggie, I, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be very careful how I state this, try to be. They're some of the best of the best. Let me say that about Joe and Maggie. Uh, they saved my wife's life on one occasion, and that's no joke. <laughs> uh, but they are wonderful. They are in South Africa. We also support the Helens. The Helens are in Amsterdam. Uh, Matthew is a tremendous writer. He operates in the prophetic. He is a great, great writer. Uh, they do uh, really uh, under-the-radar type ministries in uh, Amsterdam, uh, all over the middle, European, Middle Eastern region. Uh, this guy right here, he may very well be the hardest-working missionary of any missionary anywhere. Uh, this guy, he, he left, uh, he left out in, uh, middle Tennessee and he went to Sudan with basically nothing. He met a Kenyan lady, uh, 
Latoya, which you see pictured there with him, and now they have little Ethan and little Colton. Let me tell you, this guy, if you never, follow his Facebook page if you're on Facebook. He put some up the other day of some of the kids in this, at the compound that he operates, uh, and they were playing with a cobra. A live cobra. He said that's just what they do. You know, they had that cobra by the tail. But, but these are people, they're, they're, they're gangs and they're homeless kids and it's very poor. This guy, he is, he is probably in one of the most extreme mission circumstances that, uh, you could ever imagine. I want you to think about these people. I want you to get a mental picture of this couple in your mind. Now, the, the clowers that were stationed down in Latin America, uh, they are, Dan and Brenda, they have announced their retirement, so they're coming off the field. I want you to be prayerful with me over this couple right here. The, this couple is out of the Appalachian Conference. Alicia, uh, grew up at, uh, Alicia grew up, she spent, she spent four weeks every summer with us, didn't she? At youth camp. She is a remarkable young lady. She has made many trips into um, into Haiti. She actually got trapped in Haiti on one occasion, and, and 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 we prayed her out of that place, you know, during a civil uprising. So she's got, even though she's young, uh, you know, in her early twenties, she's got a lot of experience behind her. She married Chris. He's a Pentecostal holiness boy. They are preparing to go into Eastern Africa, in particular Kenya. Now, they are coming here to minister to us on August 1st. I know that's a ways away right now, but that's as soon as I can get them. But I want you to be praying about this young couple, because it's young couples like this that we need to get on the field. Because no offense, but the Clowerses and the Delports and, and the Salazars, many of the other couples and families, they're getting a few years on them like all, some of us are. We also, your faith commitment supports these children through people-to-people ministries. Every single month, we support every one of these children in the different countries that they're in. So, your giving is very important. Now, I'm going to ask Scott, and I think he may have some help. He has some faith commitment cards. And if you don't have any pens, we can get you some, I'm sure. But if you guys will go ahead and run that video, while Scott and uh, Kathy pass out these cards, what I want you to do is look at them. If you want to fill them out today, that would be great. And what I want you to do is drop them into the ushers on your way out when we dismiss here in just a few moments. But if you want to pray about it and bring it back next week, that's okay too. But listen, I, I, we really need you. Not only do we need you, but these missionaries need you and their support. Go ahead and run that if you can find it, guys. While you consider your gift, we're going to say goodbye to our Facebook audience for today. 
And uh, thank you for joining us, guys, at home. God bless.